You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Amanda. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we are going to start on a case and it is about Robert Barron. And I want to do a huge shout out to Dan, someone who started listening to us and gave me the idea for this because this one is kind of a doozy. So today we are going to talk about the pizza capital of the world. But first, I want you to take a second and think where that possibly could be. Now, obviously we do PA cases, so that is the first hint, but where in PA? So it is actually Old Forge, Pennsylvania, which is located in Lackawanna County, about 15 minutes from Scranton, PA. In 2020, the population for Old Forge was 7,820, which has been in decline since the 70s. Needless to say, pizzeria owners take pizza seriously, and they have fans that travel near and far to get a good tray or cut from their favorite places. On Main Street, you have multiple pizza shops that try to draw you in. If you show up asking for a pie or a slice, it is a sure sign indicating you aren't a local. Though pizza shop owners say they're not rivals, they say that they are more of a close-knit family. The pizza capital of the world was ripped apart, though, when Robert Barron, owner of Gigarelli's on Main Street, disappeared on January 25th, 2017. In 1926, Nani Gigarelli crafted the Old Ford style to feed the area's Italian immigrants who traveled to work in the coal mines. Shortly after, other cafes popped up in town, all with their own subtle differences. Gigarelli's is almost a staple in town, and when it went up for sale, Robert Barron's family bought it in 1961. His family said he would pour his heart and soul into this pizzeria. Now, on January 25th, 2017, it started off as a normal day. Robert and Bobby, his son and business partner, were working at the pizzeria all day. Brittany, Robert's daughter, had talked to him for an hour that day. She said he was looking into buying a new car in Philly. They also talked about her job interview that she had that the following day. They had talked until her phone died. It is reported that this day, a coworker had noticed the shop was getting multiple calls on the business line that left Robert upset. He was then told not to answer anymore. So were these calls traced? Um, were the call records subpoenaed or were they looked into at all? So I'm not really sure. I really only saw it mentioned in two articles. And honestly, about this case, a lot is kind of being zipped up. They're not releasing a lot of information. Um, I didn't see uh, if they were traced and who it went to. After working a long day at the pizzeria, Robert drove Bobby home to his apartment between 10 and 11 p.m. Bobby was the last person to see Robert alive. He was expecting his father to pick him up the following morning in time to get to the pizzeria to get the dough delivery, which was typically around 7 a.m. Bobby texted his father and didn't get a response. He then called his mother, Maria, asking where his father was. She let him know that he didn't come home the previous night, which apparently wasn't an uncommon occurrence. Above Gigarelli's was an apartment that the family also owned. Robert would sleep in the apartment on the nights before the delivery. When the nights that he didn't come home, did he tell his wife? Because, I mean, we have an apartment above our automotive business, and if my husband or if I wasn't coming home, I certainly would have made contact. Yeah, I'm not sure. It When I was reading the articles, it didn't seem like there was like a set time for delivery, so I'm not sure if they 
would order when they needed or as they needed. So I'm not sure about that, honestly. But it seemed like he did it quite often because it wasn't really anything strange for her. Now, not only did Bobby get a response, but Brittany was shocked at after her father hadn't texted her good luck for their interview. Bobby ended up walking to the pizzeria and noticed that the dough delivery was left on the sidewalk, which never happened. His father always was there for the delivery. He checked the apartment fast, and it was empty. He then went inside the pizzeria and walked into a crime scene, which showed a struggle had occurred, and he immediately called the cops. On the scene, there was blood found, and according to former district attorney Shane Sandlin, it was quantified as a significant amount of blood. They found a tooth in a utility sink that later in March of 2017 would be identified as Robert's. They also found tons of household cleaners, which showed there was an attempt to clean up the crime scene. So I'm assuming by significant amount of blood, they're talking about the non-diluted by cleaner's blood, because if you've ever bled near water or any kind of liquid, you'll know that it kind of spreads out and creates quite the big mess. Um... I guess the best example was my kid was in a locker room jumping after swim practice and he fell and busted his lip into his teeth and all of the water on the floor was now blood colored. So I'm interested to know if it was the diluted version or if it was the actual like blood. In the articles that I read, there was an attempt to clean up with household products um, but it was said that not all of it was cleaned up. So I would assume there was a little bit of both. It also doesn't explain exactly where the blood was. It seems like it was a fairly large shop. It seems like, uh, in the, in the utility sink. And then there was also on the back of the kitchen. So I'm not sure exactly which part was cleaned up if maybe both of them. Especially with like the tooth, um, that to me signifies that he was hit in the face or the head, which head wounds bleed a lot. Um, but significant, I mean, the body has about nine to 12 pints of blood. And when you donate, you give about 10% or about one pint. And usually between 20 and 30% of your blood loss, you start to have issues with your blood pressure and things like that. And over 40% typically ends up you, you dying unless you can get a transfusion. And even that is kind of a slim chance to get you back. Did not know that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, well, honestly, as we go further on, you'll see that there's kind of Robert's blood everywhere. So we can definitely talk about that because it's going to come back up. So Robert's phone was found on the dishwasher, which was apparently strange. Uh, his son always says that he had it on him. He, he wouldn't be without his phone. Now, Maria went into the apartment to see if anything was missing and a comforter was gone. She also discovered an Afghan that was bloody, which also had broken glass in the fibers and a cigarette butt tangled up. Now, they were taken in as evidence, but they were never released, so I'm not really sure. And unfortunately, we'll see a lot of that. They took a lot of evidence in, and if it wasn't Robert's, they wouldn't release anything else. On Sunday, January 29th, early morning, Robert's 2006 Silver Hyundai Elantra was found on Howard Street, which is roughly about a mile away from the pizzeria and located right next to the Lackawanna River. The car's tires and undercarriage was covered in an excessive amount of mud. There was a blood stain on the outside of the car and even more blood on the inside. This blood was later identified as Robert's. They also found fingerprints on the door handles and tested objects inside and outside of the car. 
They have yet to release these results. Overall, they found blood in four different locations and searches spanned all day Sunday with fire and police crews. Then on Monday, January 30th, 2017, approximately 100 volunteers gathered at the center town and spanned out without finding any clues. And I honestly wonder if there was such a high presence of blood in so many locations if bloodhounds were brought in to track the scent. But in all the articles that I read, there was no mention of bloodhounds being used. So mud on the tires makes me immediately think that the car was near a body of water. Unless it was raining, I mean, the area was mostly city. It wasn't like rural roads. So it makes me immediately think like they went down by a boat launch or somewhere where you would actually get mud stuck. Well, I'm kind of confused because, I mean, pizzeria is on a main street. If it's only a mile away, I feel like it's a pretty populated area Obviously, people are looking for this car. I wouldn't feel like they found it maybe the first day. So someone probably had to move it. Like, how did no one notice? It just kind of blows my mind. And also, I don't know, probably this is from just TV shows that isn't real at all about true crime. But I don't know if they could test the material on the underside of the carriage to see if it came specifically from somewhere. I don't know how that works. I'm sure that they could break it down to some kind of chemical makeup. I mean, in what the Beth Doe case, they were able to look at her remains and find out where she drank water from. So I'm, I wouldn't doubt it. I would have to reach out to somebody to verify, but I would think that that's a hundred percent possible to be done. Just checking. But I wonder if it would just, because if you're looking at the mud and what's composing the mud, And it was within that same area. I mean, you know, like with the Beth Doe case and with a lot of Doe cases, when they're able to kind of pinpoint something, it's usually a region. Um, So, I mean, they might be able to analyze the mud, dirt, whatever, but it might just say, oh, yeah, that's normal for Pennsylvania, which is like, great. True. Thanks for the analysis. Like, I wonder how definitive that could really be that oh well that's from you know like in central pennsylvania we have you know the juniata and the susquehanna run pretty close to each other and you know if they could find out oh it's from the susquehanna or the juniata but i'm pretty sure in this area you've pretty much got the lackawanna river and i don't think there's too much other that runs right through old forge but i could be wrong i'm not as familiar with that area Howard Street actually runs next to or right into the Lackawanna River. Huh. I'm most likely the bet. It's Lackawanna. <laughs> I think we found our mud. Yes. So Robert's family strongly believes it was a botched robbery gone wrong. G. Gorelli's was a cash business, but figure on a Wednesday there would really only be a couple hundred dollars. They believed he walked into the shop after dropping off Bobby and saw someone trying to rob the joint. Everyone in his family said he would have stood up to the intruders if that was the case. They believe it was someone or several people that knew Robert and his schedule. So I would assume that if someone took the time to learn his schedule, they would be smart enough to maybe rob the shop on a busier night when there would be more cash on hand, unless there was some sort of safe on the property, which... Sounds pretty unlikely. But at the same time, I mean, think about the fact that you might not even know when there's a lot of cash. I mean, in my retail experience, we took deposits to the bank every day. But if it's 
just a business that you're running. I mean, I know my dad would, when he was an electrician, he would have checks or cash or whatever sitting for maybe a week or so before he took it. And thinking about 2017, a lot of business was probably through cards. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know specifically with their business if there was more card transactions or cash, but I would think maybe there just wasn't a whole lot of cash and maybe they did their deposit runs on a Thursday. So if someone was watching him, they would know that Wednesday nights is when there might be the most cash. I don't know. That's just total random, but I don't know. Maybe they knew that. How late were they open? Because like banks close three or three, four o'clock in the afternoon. So who's to say that maybe they did do a cash run every single day. And if they had a busy day that day, they just didn't take it before the bank closed because obviously pizza places don't close at five. I would assume that it would close around nine because they left around I mean, the articles say, some say 10, some say 11. If you're thinking that it's 10, you have about an hour of cleanup, I would think. So I would think that it'd be closing around between 9 and 10. Do you know if it was a cash-only business by chance? Because that would probably make a pretty significant difference. No. So it was cash-only. Oh, okay. It was cash-only. But still, like, if you took money to the bank before the bank closed every day for what you made the previous night, you wouldn't have a lot of cash maybe between 5 and 10 at night on a Wednesday. True. I would just not think it would be busy because, you know, people are working during the day. Maybe maybe more takeout. I don't know. When, especially Wednesday, the middle of the week, I would see more people. Yeah. It's not a Friday pizza and beer night. Yeah, but we do know they had cash on them. How much? We don't know. The family has been frustrated and displeased with how the investigation has been going. Roughly after a year of Robert's disappearance, the family was able to obtain video surveillance from other shops on Main Street, only two blocks away from Gigarelli's. One of the videos shows a man in shorts walking by just after midnight, which matches a description of a man that was seen standing outside of the pizzeria at 11 p.m. Then it shows a man pulling a rolling suitcase that the wife says is similar to the one that was stored above the shop. So how big was the suitcase? Are they trying to say that maybe Robert was in the suitcase? I don't think that's the case. Uh, I watched the video. They had it posted on their Facebook. Um, there is a Facebook um, for finding Robert. And it's really not that big. I mean, the guy it, the guy has it and it's tilted and, you know, rolling along. And it probably like hit just, if it was standing up straight, it probably hit like just above his knee. I mean, maybe he's like, Seven feet tall, who knows? So, but, like, more of a carry-on? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they thought that maybe it was money, or I have no idea, but I don't think it. they thought it was the body. But who knows? When I think of an Italian guy, I think of, like, a big burly guy with the mustache and the white chef hat and, like, the chef's kiss kind of thing. But I tried to Google Italian men thinking maybe I have the wrong perception. And all you get is, like, Valentino and Versace models, which obviously is not reality. But do we know, like, how big he was? Would he fit in a carry-on? So he, I mean, to me, he's he's tall because I'm short as anything. Um, but he is 5'9", so to me that's pretty tall, you know, I don't know, about 185 pounds. I don't think he would fully fit in that size suitcase, but 
I don't know. Miracles happen. My husband's about 5'9", and he's not 185 pounds, but I don't think he could, even just his height. I mean, I could try, but I don't think that he would fit in a suitcase just his height alone. Yeah, do you think you could get him to do that for us, just for science? I mean... I could just tell him to come home and and see what size suitcases we have and just anything for science. I'm okay with that. I mean, could they have done a Bethdo type thing and made him fit by... But then the question is, I mean, I would think there would have to be maybe another suitcase or more body parts somewhere. That's very true. Did You said the man did not have the suitcase the first time he was standing there? So two different men. There was a man in shorts kind of walking around. And then there's another man, and they're both wearing two completely different outfits. And the second guy seems to be a lot... They look like two bigger men, um, just from the videos. But, I mean, perspective, I guess, is everything. Um, And, yeah, it was two men, and they were both seen on multiple surveillance cameras. And the family did end up giving these videos to the cops, but then it's kind of questionable, like, why did the family have to find it? They weren't able to identify? No. Mm-mm. They okay. weren't able to identify. And then later on, we'll get into it during theories, but someone close to another shop owner along Main Street, they were afraid to give surveillance because in their head, they thought it was mob related. So maybe some people didn't want to give surveillance. Maybe some people said they had it or they didn't. And I was wondering, did Gigarelli's have it? Surveillance cameras. I mean, it is 2017. It seemed like a decent amount of shops on Main Street had it. I wondered if they had it, and I didn't see anything in the articles stating, like, police looked at their footage. So that was one of my questions about that. Now, the police have so much evidence. How hasn't there been a person of interest brought up? That's really, you know, their main frustration, honestly, because there is so much evidence. They have these two people on surveillance camera. They have so much blood. They have They took in so much evidence, but they're really not releasing anything. The family did start a Facebook page called Finding Robert Barron, and it said to spread some gossip, even though the district attorney's office is trying to calm the town and the gossip. So is the family spreading the gossip, or is it everyone else on the Facebook page? So the family just keeps asking for people to share anything that they know. I do know that there was three people that have been brought up on the Facebook page by other town people. And, but they haven't been named suspects uh, from the police, so I'm not going to name them, but they just want answers. And I don't, to them, I'm sure they feel like they're going about a right way to some people who maybe are getting all this heat, maybe not feel like it's going around the right way, but I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of everyone in town, small town. Great. That'll help. Yeah. So in March of 2018, Mark Powell, the new district attorney ordered an exhaustive fresh look at the case but they didn't turn up any new leads. So now we are going to go into the theories of what people think happened. So there's a lot of talk of Bobby, Robert's son, being involved somehow in the disappearance of his father. He did have a struggle with drugs and previously had a run-in with cops regarding heroin. On platforms such as Reddit, multiple people said they went to school with Bobby and he hung out with a bad crowd of people. Though Bobby was always the nice one. Marie even said that police visited UPS and and Success Street, where Bobby lived. When Robert's story hit the local newspaper, 
the Times Tribune, which is a local paper in Scranton, PA, was listing all the top stories. And Roberts was second, followed by the third, which was the opioid epidemic rages with no end in sight. So, you know, unfortunately, you don't want to think about it, but did Bobby not pay for drugs? Did his father have a hit on him because drug issues? Who knows? So we weren't really able to find anything in that time frame that would fit with like drug charges on Bobby in like PA docket sheets, but we did find that he was recently charged with um, a DOI for controlled substances. So I don't know if he had a history of it then, but he does now. And like you said, this is all just theories. Well, other than what Amanda said, that that did happen. <laughs> um, didn't you say he was just in court like yesterday? Yeah, his charges, I think he finished them up with 315 of 2021. Okay. So then next we're going to move to organized crime. Local gossip is that Robert had gambling debts. It is said that Northeastern PA is the ideal location for retired gangsters from New York and New Jersey to flock to. Many may recognize the name Russell Buffalino because in 2019, Netflix released the movie The Irishman, who starred actors Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Russell Buffalino is a well-known mobster who ran operations in northeastern PA and upstate New York, which included loan sharking, gambling, and racketeering. He was born in Sicily and moved to the U.S. as a child. As a youngster, he did petty crimes but attracted attention from Joseph Barbera, who would then be the boss of the entire Buffalino crime family until he died in 1959 when Russell moved as head boss. Russell ran a low profile, so not all his crimes are known, but it is rumored that he had ordered the hit on Jimmy Hoffa, and he was also convicted for his extortion attempt on Jack Napoli, who owed Russell a 25000 debt. After he served three years of his time, he was then convicted for conspiring a hit against the witness that gave Russell's name in the first trial for Jack. An organized crime detective said this in 2011 about Buffalino. Russell was so good at keeping his mouth shut. He was really old school. It was a waste of time bugging his rooms. There was no careless talk, no careless chatter. I'm not quite sure how to even address this because there's not, I don't think it's mob related. I think it might be drugs. Yeah. So, I mean, initially it seemed plausible, but I think the further that we've dug into talking about it, it seems a lot less plausible the more that we're learning about some of the other theories. So big mob area, but it it doesn't seem like I don't think that Robert Barron was Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. And really, you know. The Buffalino family is not as powerful as it once was. There have been headlines um, up until 2010. There's still said to be rumored mob activity in the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pittston area, which is extremely close to Old Forge. Only thing I can think of is typical mob hits. They don't really dispose of the body. They kind of want everyone to see, you know, what will happen if you cross them. That's the only thing I could think of, though apparently pulling teeth was a common occurrence for the mafia. People would say that, that man had a visit with the mafia dentistry. And I read on Reddit, again, I had mentioned before that there was another restaurant owner who had surveillance footage, but they were too afraid in the beginning to give it up because they were worried that it had involved the mob. Do we know what tooth it was that they found? Was it a front tooth, a back tooth? It didn't say. Because I'm thinking... I don't think that they pulled front teeth in the mob. I think it was always molars. But if it was a front tooth, then that would indicate more of like 
he was hit in the face a few times and a tooth fell out versus a back tooth being ripped out. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I agree that it was mob activity, but I said this when we were talking earlier. I mean, in the eighties and nineties, you had Giuliani cracking down in New York city, at least on mob activity. And I just have a feeling they probably, you know, have gotten a little bit smarter and a little even more underground. So even though it doesn't seem like mob activity, that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't any there. I think they also left the area in general and probably went other places in New York City. True. There's another theory kind of related with the whole mob thing about how in some towns, shop owners have to pay their due, kind of. I'm not sure how accurate that is in the real world, kind of, you know, see it in movies like Venom, but then it was like, was someone looking for him to give him money for protection and he didn't want to pay it anymore kind of ties into the mob thing. But I'm really not sure about that. I think we're almost grasping at straws to make the mob thing fit. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to totally rule it out, but I think there are some stronger possibilities. I mean, the fact that there's blood upstairs and downstairs and in a car and where was the fourth place? Not disclosed not disclosed. So it, it almost seems like it happened upstairs and then downstairs and then he was in a vehicle and then, well, I'm really interested to know where the blood was in said vehicle. Cause it would show, did he drive? Did someone else drive? I highly doubted if there was that much blood on, on the ground in the, in the room, unless it was, like I said, it more of a mixed with a cleaner, trying to clean it up kind of thing. True. Or was he driving back from dropping Bobby off and something happened? So he was initially attacked in the car mm-hmm. and Brian. then got followed. I don't know that it necessarily pans out or take me upstairs. I want your money kind of thing. Right. Like, did they like, keep a safe upstairs and then bring him back downstairs kind of deal? Maybe would Bobby or Maria know that, that they would have disclosed that to police though. If there was a safe, especially if the safe was missing money or near where Robert's blood was found. I don't know. Just spitballing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing was said. There's no mention about a safe or anything. And that's that'll lead us into our next thing about a robbery went wrong. Now, my only thought is that it wasn't premeditated. How were they able to hide the body for so long? Some say that the body was tossed in the Lackawanna River. But in my mind, eventually, you know, I would think the body would resurface. So I actually talked to my husband about this because he is a certified water rescue diver and he dives for evidence and body recoveries and all of that. Um, and I said to him the theory, where would you put a body? Um, he didn't like that question, but there's 20 over 20 reservoirs or bodies of water that was near Scranton. And he said that if you would put like tie concrete or like blocks around him and put them under the water, it they're typically over a hundred feet deep and you likely wouldn't find them unless scuba diving is allowed there. I know that one of the local reservoirs, they allow scuba diving, but the other one they don't because it's infested by snakes. And that creeps me out just thinking about it. Um, the other thing was it was December. And so still water freezes a lot faster than moving water. So if they might not have been able to put him in a 
reservoir, but they could have put him in the Lackawanna River um, or the Susquehanna River because that's nearby. And if there was ice on it, um, like big chunks of ice, that would help keep him, could help keep him underneath the water that you didn't see him as much or as easy until he got downstream more, unless he got caught up on something. So something that I actually saw on Facebook yesterday as well about like being aware as you're buying swimsuits for your kids it showed different colors under still water and like moving water and white was one that pretty much underwater you basically can't see white um but again that's also going to depend on how clear the water is but if it's frozen and at least in my head like a pizza shop owner is always wearing white. If he was in white and it was icy because of the cold weather, that might kind of help disguise as well. Um, I threw this at my husband too. Uh, he's not a water rescue diver, but we lived along the Susquehanna for a couple years and, um, he would run, uh, fire calls out on the boat a lot. So he would do recoveries and whatnot. Um, but not quite as intense as Amanda's husband. And the first thing he said was also like weighing down the body um, if it's in a deep enough area. But another possibility could be that if he was somehow lost in the water and if the undercurrent dragged him along, it's possible that he could have gotten stuck. I mean, if there was like a shift of rocks and there was a little hole, like he could have gotten stuck between rocks and the undercurrent, swept up against a dam or something. I mean, we are looking at this four years out but we're also only looking at it four years out. And if he was swept by water somewhere, it's possible that he could still be there. Um, Now, like, yeah, bodies are gonna float at first because the gases are gonna rise, but eventually it's gonna fill back up with water. The cells are gonna take on the water and it's gonna sink eventually anyway. I mean, this goes back to kind of ruling out the mob if we're taking this water theory. I don't think the mob would just be like, hey, throw in a river and hope you find a place to get caught and not found. But it's slimly possible that he could have gotten pulled in under a current and somehow got stuck somewhere. Uh, Do we know if there have any ever been any sort of partial remains, pieces of bones, random clothing, although I guess random clothing doesn't really throw a red flag or anything, but do we know of anything like that that's washed up along the bank of the Lackawanna River? So I did read that, you know, over the years there have been bodies that have surfaced, but so far it hasn't been Roberts. I feel like the river, given where his car was found, um, that the river is a lot more plausible than him being in a a reservoir. It does seem weird to be four years out and not have found anything, but again, it's not totally impossible. It makes it a lot harder to search when you have, you know, if you have icy conditions and things like that. And I'm trying to think, I mean, over the past four years, we haven't had any huge major droughts that would have really depleted the river to make anything visible more so than it normally would be. Um, so, I mean, it could be there and we just haven't seen it. So do we know how far along the river that they searched? Because I mean, I know it was cold, so the river probably wasn't running super quickly, but you could 
you could get pretty far being swept down the river, right? So couldn't he be in like another county or, you know, he could be really far from where they dropped him. Absolutely. I would think potentially, yeah. I mean, and especially depending on the temperature, it'll obviously freeze on the surface first. So as it gets cold on the top, I mean, water can still move under like a layer of ice. I know there was one posting that said that the river was moving fast that time. It was on their Facebook page. Someone had said about it. I don't know how true it is. I I don't know if you can look and see. I saw it in an article that the river was moving fast. At least the day that they were searching. Yeah, and I don't really have the experience that Sarah and Amanda's husbands do, but I mean, I live super close to the Schuylkill River and just watching it, you know, after it rains and when it's going super fast, you know, my morbid mind is like, wow, if someone got thrown in there, they would probably never be found. Or, I mean, you you would be shocked how many people after a rain think that it's a good idea to go out in a kayak or canal. That's so, insane. Like, I, I can't even so crazy story ex- describe it about the Schuylkill. So we, I grew up right where, um, Grace is currently living. And, um, my mom had a friend and they were on a boat right after it rained. And the one guy was a lifeguard and something happened. His girlfriend fell in and I guess he thought it was a great idea to jump in after her. And he was very, very strong. You know, this lifeguard for a couple years, it was pointless. They both got taken. And, um, when I was growing up, my grandmother would always yell at me, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go near it. Even if your friends think it's cool. She's like, it's basically dead on arrival. She's like, no matter how strong you think you are, how fast you think you are, don't do it. So I'm terrified of that (laughs) river. (laughs) Honestly. Okay. So next, uh, another theory that has been thrown around is when Robert's car was being searched, they found a civil lawsuit in which he received 14,500 a default judgment for the month that he went missing. Do we know any other details about this lawsuit? No, I couldn't really find it. I asked Amanda to help me search for it. I was able to find a lot of um, basically rent in the rears kind of things where they were all in Robert's paper, but I, I didn't see anything of that magnitude. There was one under a name Robert Barron in 19 or in 2019. And but it was only 12000 and he wasn't around then. So I don't know if this is plausible. Okay. Like I said, I saw that. I think I want to say Reddit when I saw that. Didn't see it in any of the articles, but it was brought up a couple times. I'm just confused that they found this civil lawsuit in his car. Like, did he just have paperwork sitting in his car? From one of the articles, it says that they took in a lot of evidence from his car. So I'm not sh- like... Not just, like, the blood evidence, but he had a lot of items in his car. You would be shocked. Could it have just been, like, a piece of mail or something, maybe, that he still had in his car? That's true. I'm not sure. they did. I, I got it from Reddit. I didn't see anything in the articles about it, but it was said that he they took so much evidence from inside his car. Yeah, they didn't say it had to be, like, an official document, so... Yeah. Who knows what it was? You would be shocked what people have in their cars. <laughs> That'd be my car. You don't want to see it. <laughs> you wouldn't even fit probably, so no. Okay, so next. Some believe he set up to disappear, but honestly, everyone said he was a family man. He loved the business. 
and he absolutely loved his family. Plus, there was so much blood found in four different locations and a missing tooth. I mean, come on. Though, you have these crazy people that think that he had been collecting his blood to then pour it out. Wasn't there a movie on that? I'm sorry, what? There was a movie on that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, someone said that. And then I was like, but to pull your own tooth out, like, that's got to be pretty painful. So, the tooth I can get past. And like Amanda said earlier... Like, if it's a front tooth, it's obviously going to be easier than a back tooth. I mean, I'm missing a tooth, but it's a back tooth. And, I mean, it was half gone. It was a root canal that went wrong. And it was half gone, and the doctor still had to sedate me to pull it out. Like, that's not something that you just, oh, this is going to be a fun Tuesday, yank. The blood is what I can't get over with how much there was. But now I'm hearing this idea that, Maybe he was planning this for a while and just was saving up vials of his blood. I don't. Is that another Reddit theory, yeah, or is it's, that it's coming another from? Reddit theory. Okay, I did see one post about it on the Facebook, but not many on the Facebook. But then in my mind, is like, can you tell the difference of how long like blood is outside the body? Like, I have no idea how that works. Like, would you be able to tell? I wouldn't think so if it's not exposed. To air. To air. Like, if it's in a vial that is capped, obviously the DNA properties of it are going to stay the same because if it's his blood, it's his blood. But as long as it's not exposed to air and it stays in liquid form, I don't think you would know. But it kind of makes know. me go back to like the Stephen Avery case where he wanted to have the vial of blood tested to see if the blood was planted there or not. Obviously, like if he's doing this himself, he would need to have a needle and something to put it in and probably wouldn't preserve it. So I don't know unless it's exposed to air. I don't think you would notice. There are any phlebotomists out there? Uh, Give us a call. (laughs) Let us know. Help. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to move on to just some questions. So, in my mind, why did the dough delivery person just leave the dough on the sidewalk? Did he need a signature? Did he not find it weird that Robert just didn't show up to meet him? Okay, look, I've worked in clothing and accessory retail and the restaurant business and delivery drivers. Nothing against them at all. But if if you make them wait, they get pretty testy. They have things to do. <laughs> and, I mean, especially if they're already behind schedule, um... I mean, my husband is a truck driver and he will call me like if he's waiting in a parking lot for something because someone else is running late, he'll call me and be like, I don't want to sit here any longer. This is really annoying me. And one person being slow can make everything else trickle off and like it can really mess things up. So, I mean, if he wasn't there and that delivery needed to be dropped, I totally can see that delivery driver just like drop in and dude i gotta go i can't wait here and that was probably like super early that could have been his first delivery yeah so that could screw up the rest of your day but then in my mind i'm wondering such a small town and it's the same person receiving every time don't you think they would maybe get to know them or maybe if you didn't think it was strange maybe make a call to your boss and say hey this guy didn't pick up i feel like this is Joe, so I would think it would need to be either refrigerated or frozen or something. Like, wouldn't that kind of be a liability on the delivery person to just potentially let food spoil? Set food out on the street? Yeah, but it was an early January morning. That is also true. 
thought it's it was not December. noon at Ju- noon in July. Yeah. Oh, December, January. I forget. It's January. I thought it was January. It's winter. <laughs> January. It's cold. Yeah. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. That is a very good point. Or maybe that was just a deal they had set up. Like another two statement. Hey, if I don't come in right away, I might be running late. Leave it. And like you said, I mean, this pizza shop had been open for a long time. They probably got to know each other, which could potentially mean that they got a little bit more lax in what they do. I mean, I've ordered like cases of wine that get delivered and our delivery guy knows me because I have an Amazon problem. And as long as he like sees one of us come to the window, he's like, I got it. You're good. Just, just go. Like, I'm like, shouldn't I sign for this? He's like, I know you're old enough. It's okay. So, I mean, sometimes even if they need a signature or, you know, sometimes they just leave some of that stuff the formality behind and just kind of move on with the day True. now this was a busy town i'm just curious how did no one see anything the shop was on main street as i said before were there cameras in Gigarelli's? i mean we obviously know they were in some other stores but so if you look at the street view of it um the front side is on Main Street, and then there's a side street that goes down the side of it. It's on the corner, and it's a one-way, and there's a house across the street, but and there's a side door on the, on the side on the alleyway, but there's really not much around. I mean, if you pulled down in a van or something, I feel like at that time of night, it probably wouldn't be hard to get somebody in a vehicle without someone else seeing it. And if the vehicle was parked there, you probably wouldn't pick it up on the camera across the street. True. True statement. Because you're worried more about your property. Yeah. That is true. So where was the blood found in the car? Did he attempt to drive himself? I did say this before. I mean, if there's that much blood on the floor, I doubt it. If he lost that much, that he would be conscious enough to drive. I mean, once you lose 20 to 30% of your blood volume, you start to have issues with your your, um, heart rate and your blood pressure and cognitive. I can't see that he would get in the car unless like with Sarah, um, her saying that it started there. Now, the family had a rough time after his disappearance because they don't have any answers. They closed the doors to Gigarelli's, but there is a huge banner with Robert's picture on it asking for questions. Maria is quoted by saying, It is going to be bittersweet, but I don't think we can sell it. This is a landmark for over 100 years now. Bobby has been known to go in and make trays when someone passes in town for the mourners. Robert's daughters, Brittany and Nicole, both haven't stepped foot in the pizzeria since the disappearance. Other pizzeria owners wish they would open the doors again because they feel the family needs it to move on. The entire family believes he is dead and they just want answers and his body. They have put up billboards since 2017 with his picture and information. Since he disappeared, they have had other problems arise. Robert's mother had an aide that was charged with theft, forgery, and receiving stolen property after forging checks. Then his estate is now in the process of being sued over a payment that payment never received by Fuller's Construction LLC. This scram company claims that it is owed $94,234 from Robert. 
They filed a lawsuit in Lackawanna County Court to recover it. The company said they had an agreement to provide construction, labor, and materials for a property of Roberts in Jenkins Township. Robert had initially given them 60000 for the materials before disappearing with a verbal agreement to pay the rest before or when the property sold. The company tried to reach out to Mark Barron, Robert's brother, in 2017 because he was named receiver for his brother, but never got back to them. So his mother's aid is a little bit of a sketch factor, right? Like, especially if we're going back to this uh, robbery sort of like she had theft and forgery and forging checks. And that's a little bit weird. But I mean, it's obviously different than killing somebody. So if looking at the contractor, if the deal was to pay the contractor upon completion or sale, do we know, like, was the property totally finished when he went missing and he just hadn't paid yet? Or was it still under construction while it while he went missing do we know that in the article it didn't really say i would feel that they at least have the materials all the materials ordered i'm not really sure what the ninety four thousand roughly was to cover but i know they definitely had already had the materials you know in their possession so are we looking at these numbers he initially gave them sixty thousand and they were still owed 94234 yes. so are we saying that in total he would have had to pay them 154 yes well, okay so it was 94 wasn't the total with like 34 outstanding it was the 94 was the outstanding amount yeah okay i mean it's possible that the 60,000 covered most of the materials that's a lot of labor though um i'm just wondering i mean if the deal was i'll pay when it's done slash when it sells, I mean, A, if it never sold and sat on the market for a while, of course, then, you know, you need to pay your contractor. But if it wasn't finished at the time when he went missing, I kind of come to two thoughts of, did he go missing in order to avoid paying it, which I think is kind of what we're getting at here in this theory, or did he just go missing before it was finished and it is unrelated? Um, but I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm contradicting myself when I'm talking. So I don't, obviously I don't know because it's an unsolved case, but I just didn't know if we knew whether or not the work was finished before I don't, January 2017. I don't think it was. Okay. I know typically like with construction or new construction that you give an amount and then after you have so much completed, then you can take another draw and along those lines. So I don't know if maybe he had a construction loan type of deal going on where you have to show so much to the bank in order to get another disbursement. That's valid too. And true. And it, and it could be that he had worked with this company because he did have other rentals and it's most likely that they may be fixed up. It seems like he took in, I guess, houses or places that were a little bit more run down and then flipped them to either rent or sell. So Robert, when he went missing, was five foot nine inches, approximately 185 pounds, and he had brown hair. He was last seen wearing a black North Face jacket, a blue-black type sweatpant, a dark t-shirt, and a Penn State hoodie. People with tips should call the tip line at 1-800-4PA-TIPS or the Lackawanna County District Attorney's Office at 570-342-9111 or Old Forge Police at 570-457-7441. The family also says you can provide tips to them on the Facebook page called Finding Robert Barron. There is a $10,000 reward for any information. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases podcast. 
please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.